Hello and welcome to today's Unpacked podcast. I'm Charlie Pickles, I edit the capitalism theme for Unheard and I'm joined as always by the wonderful Peter Franklin. Hi Charlie. Hello. Uh, So today we're going to talk about housing which is a very regular theme for Unheard. You can find lots of uh, articles uh, on the subject on the website. Um, Specifically an unpacked that you wrote entitled if we want a more productive economy we must let our cities grow. So this is based on a piece uh, that I think was in the New York Times um, by Emily Badger and there's a great quote that you use from her article which says the places that are booming in size aren't the economic boomtowns. Can you just explain that for us Peter? Well, if you think about um, the really super productive places like New York and San Francisco, um, they're also so prohibitively expensive in terms of buying property there or renting it. that Which would be the same as London here, for example. Exactly, exactly, and other global cities. Um, what you're seeing is cities growing but not those cities um, and um, instead it's kind of sunbelt places like Phoenix, Arizona and and those sort of um, well-known kind of sprawling type um, cities rather than the big international cities. It's really interesting you say that actually because um, I was actually in Phoenix uh, maybe a couple of months ago now just um, for a few days on a holiday and um, when I was out there I took quite a few Ubers um, because like many of the American cities uh, public transport is terrible Um, but what was fascinating actually was speaking to the Uber drivers I think there was maybe one person who actually was born and bred Phoenix and all of the rest of them had moved there and had moved there from the sorts of cities you're describing. So someone who'd moved from the New York area, someone who'd moved from Boston. Um, I think there might even have been someone who moved from Chicago area. And it was all because they had been priced out of those cities. Mm, I guess though the question really is, why should we care about it? Why does that matter? You know, if these people are moving to an area, you know, they've got a job. Um, in these instances, they're driving uh, taxi cabs for Uber. Um, you know, they have managed to afford a property which they couldn't do where they were. Is this really that much of a problem? Well, the, the odd thing about it is that it reverses the trend of history, which is typically um, you moved to where the wages were highest and that's utterly true of America and that allowed the growth the incredibly rapid growth of say places like um, Chicago um, as recently as 1850 um, there were barely 30,000 people in Chicago and you know in within two decades it was 10 times that size within another 20 years the number had tripled that's phenomenal growth and it's driven by economic opportunity which in turn of course is what's driving growth nationally so gdp and and you know that growth then drives the kind of opportunities and the wealth that enables you to have the the kind of civilized states exactly so you know the whole issue of why certain cities become the productivity centres is, is, is another is a discussion for another day. But the logical thing is for people to move to where those opportunities are available. But 
in today's economy, they can't because there's that barrier of finding somewhere affordable to live that for some reason didn't apply um, before the current era. You could always move to where the jobs were, the best paid jobs. But there is still, I mean, you know, quite sizable growth in my understanding of renting within these you know, kind of quotes boom cities so if so many people are having to move out of them who, ca- who who's who, who's left who, you know because it's not just the super wealthy well the, the very interesting point that was made is that in pl- places like new york it's immigration that is driving any population growth that there is available and that begs the question of well if the native population for want of a better word finds it unaffordable to live there then how come immigrants can afford to live there and i think there are two answers it's a um there are obviously the the global pool of talent of the best paid executives and specialists that obviously go to the cities where their skills can attract the greatest rewards Um, Obviously, they've got the means to rent or buy. Um, And then probably a much, much larger number of people that are low-skilled in minimum wage jobs um, um, but are willing to take the worst housing that is available in those cities, whereas, you know, sort of the the native population um, quite understandably isn't. Um, So you've got this sort of... um, tale of two cities um and it's you know it's obviously a very unequal story and there's a lot of exploitation involved as i i, I believe you know all about Charlie. well it, no interesting you mention it peter um because uh, a few weeks back actually i i went out uh, with newham council well a joint newham council team um and met police team uh on a morning several morning raids they did on on properties they suspected of being owned by um and rented out by rogue landlords and you know the conditions in these properties are awful you know and these are people who have no rights no contracts you know cash in hand to landlords but as you described are also people who are living you know one property i went to was a three-bedroom house and there had been nine people living there so so i guess you're right it you know the people who who are willing to live several people in some instances to a single bedroom um are going to be able to quote afford to live uh, in a city whereas those people who perhaps are not prepared to do that um will be forced to move out to be able to afford to rent so so mm. yes you are seeing this this kind of big gap which is a massive question for social justice inequality as you say kind of you know generally um harmonious communities as well yes. when you have this this big divide but yes. but you you feel there are solutions to this though which is the important thing and you mention in particular i think uh taking oxford and cambridge which obviously are two very very famous cities uh and very flourishing cities within the uk can you say what what you think can be done uh to make sure that you can get expansion in these flourishing cities mm. uh but obviously in a way that is you know appropriate and sensible and isn't going to alienate all the people who currently live there well obviously a city when it it goes from 30,000 to say the first million that's much easier to achieve growth in those situations than when you've got a mega city like New York or London 
you know, trying with to millions grow that. of people. There's yeah. all sorts of complications with infrastructure and things like that, or how to densify an already fairly well developed city. Um, however, there are smaller places um, like Oxford and Cambridge, neither of them very big. They might be world famous, but both could get bigger without spoiling the city at all. Which is maybe like somewhere like a Denver, for example, in America, which yes. is you know, a lot smaller than some of these massive cities, um, but a very vibrant, successful, productive city. That's right. Except that if you've got planning restrictions, both Oxford and Cambridge are surrounded by green belts, which um, is, is, is a British um, term for a, a more or less absolute ban on development in a sort of ring of greenfield lands around cities. Um, and the effect of this obviously is that both Oxford and Cambridge have super high property prices. Um, and that has, you know, you've got academics in places, you know, professors of, of whatever in Ox at Oxford or in Cambridge University that are having to commute long distances because they can't afford to live in their university cities. And that's ridiculous. Um, you know, we have to contemplate ways of expanding these cities, not as a horrible sprawl, um, as you can do it very badly, but as properly planned urban extensions. And it can be done. And uh, a number, I've, I've got a link in the piece to uh, a fantastic um, proposal from the Urbed co um, consultancy that shows how it can be done, but it requires political will to do it. Political will and careful thinking about what, what those new uh, properties actually look like to make sure that, that people don't object to them, I guess. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, and thank you to uh, our listeners for joining us today. Um, please do subscribe and also uh, please do rate the podcast. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully you'll tune in for our next one. <laughs>